When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. What am I capable of doing now in my late 60s that, or what am I not capable of doing that I did 30 years ago? Well, so far, I can pretty much do the same. Um, (laughs) um, So I take pride in that, that I keep myself disciplined and physically fit. And I don't drink or smoke or anything like that. So I'm very, I'm, I'm on point with who I am and what I can bring to the table within the close protection world. I think I'm going to start calling you Clint Eastwood here soon. Yeah, the guy's yeah. 90 years old, still producing movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I met him once. He's a great guy. So, Have you? Yeah, he's a nice yeah, guy. He was good. Yeah. So The work ethic. Uh, all that mental mental attitude and work ethic. But a lot of these old, like Warren Buffett. I know yeah. Dan Clark's with Warren Buffett. And that guy's 91 and still going. Yeah. And there's something to be said about mindset with Clint and Warren. I mean, I think they're about the same age. And uh, I met Colin Eastwood and I was on the set of American Sniper doing some oh. background stuff, the military stuff. And he was just calm, chill. You know, a lot of these producers in Hollywood scream, shout, cut, act, you know, whatever. Yeah. Clint's barely, you can barely hear him talk because he's just so chill. He's been the legend of Hollywood. But, you know, something about those two guys, their work ethic and mentality and attitude yeah. are huge. And like your attitude right now and, uh, you know, you're pushing your, the age you're pushing, this attitude, physical fitness. And yeah. it's just all how you look at yourself and how you overcome all, all life's obstacles and curveballs. Yeah. yeah. Things will happen, you know, going back to personal things back in 97, I was heading to the gym to work out. Something caught my eye to the right. I turned my head like everybody else does. I hit a truck head on Ooh. and um, broke 15 ribs had some internal injuries. Um, so I was, it, it hurt. <laughs> um, Ouch, a little ice. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't feel anything really, but, um, yeah. so about two and a half weeks later, my client that went to New York called me up and he said, I know you got in an accident. Um, can you put together a team for New York? Yes, sir. I take my ribs up called a guy that used to work for the government. I said, you do all the physical stuff and I'll make, I'll handle all the logistics. So we did that for about a week and uh, I had made enough money that I didn't have to go back to work until September, October. Um, so it was a round the clock job, you know, six, seven days. Wow. Um, so those things do happen. You know, people do get in car accidents, people go through divorces and so forth. Don't think it won't because it will. It's happened to all of us, and mm-hmm. and and then um, and then hopefully you still have that energy to continue in the business. But never for the younger guys that are listening to this, never stop asking questions. You know, I tell you, you know, read my book if if that's the book you want to read. Um, give me a call, email me. I'll answer your questions. I know what it was like back then. I made a thousand phone calls. And uh, my phone bills were skyrocketed because right now you're spoiled with the cell phones. You really don't have to pay much. I was paying that premium price all the time to make those phone calls just to get the job. 
and I was very um, excited when people chose me to do their advance work or chose me to be part of an, a, a really good team. So, you know, you got to really appreciate appreciate those phone calls. You don't say, "Yeah, I got I got the job." No, inside, really appreciate that you got picked to to be part of a good team. And you can't say that. I can't say that enough. You really have to show that appreciation because not everybody can do this work. And True. even as many people that apply, you know, I bet you 50% of them don't last that long in the industry. It's not what you think. And they, you know, I guess the funny joke is they said, oh, so you're like a bodyguard. I go, kind of, yeah. You know, and they go, well, it's not like you work for Whitney Houston or something. <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I did, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would have to say the industry is what 90% boredom and 10% intense action. Yes. Uh, it might even be only 5%, but maybe but, yeah, exactly. um, you, you've got to be ready for that, whatever the percentage is. You've got to be ready for that moment in time that you respond, not react, but respond to that attack, respond to something that's happening in such a way that it doesn't, it looked like you were ready for it. It doesn't mean that you're doing um, situational awareness with your arms crossed, waiting for something to happen. You've already done your intelligence. You've already done your, your surveillance, that protective surveillance work. And, and I, the X factor, I call it the human factor, something happened. And you you have that knowledge. It's like doing martial arts. So if we if I do my techniques 10,000 times, chances are I know how to do that technique pretty well. If you do your drills over and over again and you study and you read these books over and over again, you're going to be pretty good at what you, at, at, in that first responder or something. So I never look at it. I reacted to some action, which action beats reaction, but I've given the correct response for that situation. And it might be just simply getting the person out of harm's way and I'm the focal point now. And then yeah, do what I need to do. But um, but I practice a lot of scenarios as, as well. In my martial arts system, it, it I'm trying to bridge the gap between traditional martial arts and what really happens in the world. And then by, by not um, doing katas and all that stuff, my system, uh, American combatives was um, certified and authenticated by Grandmaster Ron Van Cleef and Grandmaster uh, Glenn Perry and Grandmaster Stephen Douglas Sr. out of Vermont. So their names are on my certificate, and that was in 2017. So all these years later, I created something that's unique to the industry, and I'm very proud of that, too. So you'll see the pictures in the book, all three of us together and stuff. So it's and for cool. those just joining us, uh, this will probably be our second episode that we're in now. This is Tom's book. He just wrote. He actually sent it to me. Thank you, Tom, for that. And this is my check. I had to find my place in the book. I did read it. I, did, I didn't read all of it. I did read about the first three chapters yeah. to get an idea where uh, Tom came from. And he's got some great pictures in the back. And you want to definitely pick it up. It's called 
My Life and Adventures Protecting Celebrities Hidden in Plain Sight by Thomas LeBron. So pick that up. Amazon, I'm sure, has it. Yeah, and, book uh, Baby. Yeah, Book Baby is the uh, publisher of bookbaby.com. You can find it on there as well. Um, it's on Goodreads. It's everywhere. Um, I think it's on the websites of uh, Walmart, Target. Yeah, it's it's gone and it's gone around the world too. It's in Vietnam, Brazil. Oh, beautiful. Um, all over Scotland, England, all over the United States, including Alaska and Hawaii. Um, yeah, there's some, it's, it's gone. It's, it's made a good circuit and it continues to do so. It's fun. It's, I'm having fun with it, promoting it and so forth, doing some book signings, you know, um, but and Tom's been was, in the business for a long time. He's been in the business for 40 plus years in the executive protection bodyguard world. He's been around the world. You name the talent, the, the, the artist, he's been with him. And he's got the experience. That's why he's asked by many, many big name icons to do security for them, head up their security pro projects. And he's very sought after. Bob Dugan just had him over to ESI to give a keynote speech to the, the graduates of of the ESI course over there. He just got back. So Tom is in demand and his book is in demand and his time's just went up in value. Stock value just went up in value. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky to have Tom on the show today just talking about his experience with celebrities, working with State Department, Secret Service. He's worked around the world. And so Tom's got endless stories in his book. And uh, is it an audio format or just written? No, I'm going to, when I have time, I will put the audio together and I can do that. You know, what's been told to me is yeah. when I've done some radio programs, even podcasts, they said that my voice probably would be best for my book because I can tell you my story and the, the emotion will come out at certain times and say, I felt really choked up about such and such. You know, if I start talking about my parents or my children or, you know, a situation that really was moving in, in my lifetime. Um, so we have uh, the program called Audacity, and then I'll be buying the special mic and all that stuff. And I can do that. Then I just have to have it edited after that. So eventually I'll, I'll, I'll get there, you know, um, it's just, yeah, <laughs> it's a little busy. Right now. Um, so folks, Tom is sought after by many corporations. He's been around the block been in the industry a long time. He's paid his dues, obviously, with 40 plus years in the industry. And so people know him. He's built his brand, built his reputation. Well, like Dan Clark with Warren Buffett and many, many others like that. But you build your brand. You've been in the industry a long time. And that's what the industry takes. You're not going to have overnight success. I, I always say you're good as your last detail. Every day you're on a detail. I consider that at my interview with that client. Because you say the wrong thing, smell bad, forget to wear a deodorant, forget to brush your teeth, you're done. This is the most unforgiving industry I've ever worked in in my life. There is no union protection. You're at the mercy of the client, the chief of staff, executive assistant, whoever your point of contact is, you're at their mercy. And your job is to protect life from harm. Anyway, I just want to put that plug in there, Don. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing I think people don't realize is that you need when you sign on to protect somebody this is very a very i would maybe call a very profound way of looking at this is i was interviewed i was going to be on a certain movie 
and they wanted me to divulge some private information about it, about somebody that I work for. Now, previously, I had told them that I was only going to say something nice, good times that I had with the person, nothing else. They put the mic on me, and the first question was something negative. I took the mic off, and I said, you don't understand this industry. This only this happened about three, four years ago. You don't understand this industry. I said, I am paid to protect not only the person, but their legacy, yeah. their reputation, right. their brand, even in death, because they still have family and they don't need their, their mother, father, uncle, whatever, in a smear campaign just because somebody wants to um, say something negative. They say, well, that's what people buy. That's what people want. Well, that's not who I am. That's wow. not, and that's why I, I believe that's why I get jobs is because I'm not out to destroy people. I'm not out to say a, a tell-all. My book is not a tell-all. It, oh, good. It tells, good it tells stories. Right. And there's nothing negative in the entire book. I, 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 I take the clients that I work for, put them in the most respectful way because that's what I felt by them. They hired me. They respected me enough to hire me. The, the best, the most I can do for them is respect them back. So protecting people's legacy, their reputation, brand, etc. Even in death, people don't think that way. Well, they're dead and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sorry, but that's not how I brought myself up through this industry. You know, and, and when I hire somebody, that's what I expect of them as well. Don't get caught up in the, the Hollywood glitz. I've done the red carpet stuff. And your, your point on, you know, we've done it in the evening hours and the strobe lights of people taking picture of my clients. I mean, you've got to look off to the side every once in a while because your eyes will, you know, play tricks on you. <laughs> Get flashy so I, have I have a guy ahead of me and I just talked to yeah. my microphone. I said, just watch my back because I can't see everything right now because of the strobe lights. And oh, then yeah. when we get closer. I said, turn around. You're the advanced person. Now let's go. And then we bring them in. Um, so those things happen, movie premieres and so forth. And when you get home, you could do a silent celebration that you had a wonderful project and, and everything worked out really great. Um, so another, another job that I had, we had, we were out, um, out in LA and it was a carousel of hope. And there was a huge table of people. My client was there, one of my clients. And I told this client, if you need me, just raise your hand. Don't have to look for me. Just put your hand up. I'll come and get you, take care of whatever it is that you need. And I'll bring you back. And it worked like a charm. Just find some creative way so they know you're there. And it was probably 15 feet away. The hand went up, walked over, let's go. Did what they needed to do. Get back, sit down. It's good. You don't have to look around. Don't have to make it look. But who else, who, else, who raises their hand in a big crowd? You know, not many people. Just put your hand up. I got you. So you be, sometimes be creative. Somebody, well, I don't want to do that. Okay, we'll find your own your own little niche or your own little way of doing things. That worked for me many times. You know, just put your hand or I tell my agents, if there's a massive crowd, I can't see you sometimes. You know, I can talk to you, but I can't necessarily see you. Just put your hand up. And I go, I got you, got you. Thank you. You know, just put your hand up. 
I got you. Uh, but crowds do get the best of you, you know, and um, big stadium stuff, you get lost in, in that crowd. So I had to, um, when I was with Alton, we had to do it. I had to bring people through the crowd at Shea Stadium. So Shea Stadium was totally filled and Elton was singing. And I took this person through the center of the crowd. I'll tell you who it is, <laughs> well-known actress. And she says, do you think people will recognize me? I said, probably, <laughs> most likely, yes. And she said, what happens if somebody comes out and wants to shake my hand or something? And I had a guy in front of me, I said, Richard, to the left. And his hand came out, he lowered the hand very gently. And we moved right through to a VIP area. And she said, well, how are we going to get back to the stage? Because there's so many people here. I said, you have to listen to me. When they're doing, getting ready for the encore, everybody's going to stand up and start clapping. That's the time to move. I'll move you through the crowd and get you backstage and everything will be fine. So that worked like a charm. And she said, You've done this before. I said, ah, a couple of times. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah, so the, the sense of humor sometimes goes a long ways, you know. Sure. But it had to get through the stressful part in order to, yes, I've done that a couple of times, yes. You know, and then and then this person was fine. You know, it was okay. Um, so Pretty good trust factor. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you get hired back on again. I like the way you handled so-and-so or... And you just do it and, and don't, don't take these people for granted. Don't get comfortable. You know, they're not your best friends. They could be friendly. You guys, not your, yeah. your best friend. You're not part of family. Yeah. Oh, you're like family to us now. Three yeah. months later, you're fired. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you, like you said, you don't get caught up in that. You can be cordial. You can be friendly. You can have an appropriate sense of humor. But don't get caught up in in being that that buddy, that friend. If, you know, I'm a friend of the family. Okay, maybe if you weren't working for them, you would make a good friend of the family. But this is a business, you know. And and I, as an example, I never worked for Penny Marshall. Penny was the director on the movie The Preacher's Wife, so I was working with somebody in the movie. After the movie was over, Penny and I became friends. We were friends. We developed a great friendship. And then she passed a few years back. But we were just genuine friends. You know, it, it was very nice and refreshing that, that that happened. But I never worked for her personally. But while I was on the set, I had a job to do. Right. Then the movie got, came to an end. So. You know, you said something, Tom, that kind of triggered me a little bit in a positive way. Not only were we protecting a body or a life, but we're also in the executive protection bodyguard world. We're also there to protect their image and branding. Right. Right. And especially with social media, you got the Kardashians, yeah. you got that. I know a few people that are on that detail and I have to say one good job, my friend, I'm not going to say your name because of yeah. conflict of interest and all that, but yeah. I've, I've, I've seen TMZ stuff I'm like, Oh, I know him. And uh, you got to stay at, you, have, you have, like you said, stand in the limelight. Your job not to be in the limelight. Your job is right. to be like, Hiding in plain sight, like your book's titles. Right. And it's so crucial because we're there to protect their image. Right. Protect them from being embarrassed. Yeah. And when, they, um, when they're when they walking out on Times Square with someone 
and we started walking and I saw this guy's hand come out very quickly and I lowered it gently. I said, hi. He goes, I said, I'm with this person. And they go, I didn't even see you there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what would you like? And they go, I'd, I'd just like an autograph. And the client said, okay. So I shifted the paper to, to the client. They gave it back to me. I gave it back to the person. I put my finger to my lips and, and everything was fine. We kept moving. And this was on Times Square. Wow. So that's, I mean, I think part of that is in the book too, is I'm a, I'm a big guy, but I'm not so intimidatingly big that they're, they're looking at me and where is the person that I can dress down. I can make myself look smaller depending on the clothes I wear and um, just, and just do the job. I put my glasses on or whatever I need to do to make myself less imposing, you know, What's giving you the most success, Tom, in wardrobe attire with clients being plain clothes, suit and tie? What's been your success in your attire? Uh, I would say, I would say the mm, when I worked for some corporate people, I was in suit and tie, and I blended in with their crowd immensely, and that worked for that particular client. When I worked with a, some high net worth individuals for right after that gentleman. Um, retired after 16 years with me. I had another set of clients for six years on top of that, right on top of that. I was dressed just like this. I had slacks, polo shirt, maybe a jacket that I could put my phone or something in. And then sometimes it was a wearing a vest because they wanted me to hang on to some of their things while they enjoyed whatever it was they were doing. So I was dressed like the locals sometimes, you know, um, I went to the country Columbia with some high net worth individuals. That was, in, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have to blend in. Don't, don't think that you have to wear a suit and tie at every job. Find out what the client, uh, there might be some expectations. Um, they might say, you know, wear a jacket, wear a blue shirt, no tie. I don't want you to wear a tie. And I heard that a number of times. So I wore a jacket and a blue shirt, no tie. And um, and that worked. You know, other times you're going you're gonna to put that tuxedo on. You know, you got to wear that tuxedo and you've got to, uh, you've got to be in that moment. It might be an award show. It might be a red carpet thing. It might be a, a benefit. I went to one at uh, Carnegie Hall many years ago and bought a tux and I blended in with everyone else that was there. And, you know, and, and many a times the clients will say, why don't you sit down right here? Okay. And it was a great vantage point for me and I could see things. So dressing for the job. And that doesn't mean you can't bring suit and tie. And if it looks like you're going to hit a a um, red carpet or some type of award show, by all means, ask if a, a a tuxedo would be warranted for that particular event. Not always, but it, yeah. it, it is there. You know, so I will always have a tuxedo ready to go. You know, uh, in the corporate world, I've learned, uh, especially the EP in the corporate industry when I was in LA. I always had a suit pressed in the closet. Always yeah. you get that phone always. call. I need you at this charity event in LA now. I'm like, oh crap. Right. Right. <laughs> and you always my had client, that pressed. Yeah, my client, when I went to New York, he said, 
he said, I know that your your suits get sometimes wrinkled there in a luggage when you when you fly from point A to point B. So here's what I'd like you to do. He said, call the hotel, make sure that your your suits and your shirts are pressed. We have a meeting today on Wall Street. Okay. So the hotel would take them and press them and yeah. steam them or whatever. And they I would look sharp all the time and and that, that worked out great. But that's a one in a lifetime client. Right. You know, it really was. But for 16 years, it was a wonderful, wonderful job. Really good. If you're lucky enough to land a client like that, you're blessed. You really very, are. Very blessed. Very, very blessed. Um, so, but I think, you know, going back to the younger guys, create that discipline that works for you. But I would, I would really emphasize Study, study, study in your spare time. You have some downtime, pick an hour, work, work on your studies, your academics. Something may come up that, that resonates in the book that you're right on and you go, yes, okay, this makes sense in coupling with the course I just took. Okay, now I get it because you're not going to get it all. You're not going to get it all. And then once you do get some of it, you're going, yes, okay, good. It, it, it comes in stages. It comes in with experience. And I might say, um, hey, Mike, uh, you know, be prepared to do such and such. And um, he doesn't know why I asked him to do that. And all of a sudden it dawns on him why. He said, okay, now I get it. All right, all right, all right. Just listen to the people with experience. They'll tell you they're not going to steer you wrong unless you're trying to take the job away from them, they, they, uh, everybody with experience, you and I will tell somebody the honest information of how they should be taking this in stages. Don't get too excited. Just do the job, do everything I ask you to do. You'll be fine. Then after a while, you give them a little, another task to do. Here's what I'd like you to do. Go to JFK. I need you to advance the airport and so forth. Um, that's always worked out great for me, you know, building relationships at airports, all arrivals and departures are just the biggest thing. Crucial. Um, so Those are crucial moments in the EP industry. What's that? Those are crucial moments in yeah, executive yeah. protection. You might be at a, um, you might be at an FBO, a fixed base operator for those people that don't know what an FBO is. Um, I was in Teterboro, jet came in, I drove up on the tarmac to receive my client. He comes off the plane. I put him in the car and I turn around. I notice another car in back of us with the client's name on the dashboard. So I told my client, get in the car. I'll be right back. So I went over and they were drivers with a thick Russian accent. Mm -hmm. I said, let me have that you know, the place card on your dashboard. We're here to pick him up. I go, no, you're not. Talk to the FBO person. This is all in the book. And I said, you will stall these people. Don't know how they got here. They had to go through some channels. They don't belong here. And if I see them again, we're going to switch FBOs. And I want you to give us a half hour head start. I'm going into the city. So he's like, okay, never, never had that problem again. These people wanted my business. And I went from one, because uh, I can go right down the street and get another FBO and we'll line this whole thing up. 
So understanding what the airports bring and, and there every once in a while, there's a scam going on, know your drivers, know your company. Um, I had to hire fire companies. I had to walk outside and the guy's sleeping, snoring and so forth. All right. See you later. I called somebody else. And no, that's why I kept that job for a while. So you brought up a great point. Um, I worked on a job with Michael Trott. He's, he were, uh, wrote the book, the protected. I'm sure you're probably familiar with Michael. And, uh, I was uh, hired by his team in Beverly Hills. They had a driving company. They fired, I think, 50 guys, 50 guys and gals, whole driving company. It was a disaster for that high profile client that they had. And they went through that. And I think they we went through probably 50 exec protection agents that they fired. And uh, it was just, uh, but sometimes you have to have good leadership in there to raise the standard of excellence. And uh, it was an honor to work with him that you were, hearing that story about firing your driving team because yeah. the dri drivers make or break the detail. And so right. if, you don't, if you don't have a good driving team, a good driver, it's yeah. you're, you're as good as dead in the, the exact protection industry. Yeah. I've, I fired them a number of countries. One, well, um, in New York, I have Orlando, Washington, DC and um, Barcelona. Um, I want the A team. You know, they may not be security trained drivers, but they know the lay of the land a lot okay. better than I do. Yep. And this one guy said, okay, he picked me up at the airport. I said, where's the FBO? We're going to advance it right now before I get to the hotel. It's going to be a long night, a short night, actually. Uh, I got to make a phone call. I said, you don't know where the FBO is? So we finally made it there, but I called their company and said, send me your A driver. I, you send me, you sent me a driver. I want, your, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want, <laughs> I want your a driver. And they sent me a guy that knew everything and he Perfect. was a God, godsend. And, um, and, and it was, it was the guy, the first guy that I fired, his name was Jesus and from Barcelona. So my client said, so, is everything going all right? I said, well, yeah. I said, um, uh, I had to let a driver go because he just didn't know his way around. And I said, they go, what was his name? I said, well, I wasn't feeling Jesus today. You know, I, his name was Jesus. So it was really funny. He broke the ice and it was like nice. three, three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, okay. Wow. So, that's exhausting. Um, so another thing for those people that want to do advanced work like I did and, and really get into it, those hours can be very, very long as well. Uh, when I was in South America a few years ago, a couple of years ago, I went from Rio to San Paulo to San Diego, Chile to Buenos Aires in about 36 hours. Did the advance, got up, let's go. You know, So there's one point I didn't sleep for 24 hours. It just kept going. And then I then my flight from Buenos Aires to Costa Rica, I slept on the plane the entire trip. So you know, you you get tired, you get land, and and you're you're working as soon as you get off the plane. There's no such thing in my world as getting off the plane, going to the hotel. You, you might as well start your advance. What does the airport bring you? Or where's the FBO that they're coming in on? And it's going to be close to the airport. So get that 
early stuff done first, you can always go back and get a feel for what it looks like. You know, what does it look like to me? Um, and I, then I take notes. And like I said in the beginning, I have books about pretty much every job I've done. I've got a whole wow. drawer full downstairs and I can pull one out and go, you know, Barcelona, 2008, you know, and I look through it and say, I could have done that better. Now that I know this, I could have done it a little bit better. Let's learn from this. You know, make your notes. You know, it doesn't all have to be on a computer or a phone or something. I'm always marking something up and circling. And, you know, for those people that bring their computer or their iPad and they can do that as effectively as I can write, fantastic. I, I'm, I'm still old school in many respects. I still, I bring my computer too and my phone and stuff. But I still like making notes and looking at things and and really understanding what it is I'm I'm doing out there because every job is different. Every job brings a new adventure. Every job brings a new journey. Every job brings a new client, maybe, and 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 they might not be in a good mood, you know. And you have to just understand that and 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 roll with it. You can't say, "Well, that client was a pain in the butt." And then next day they they love you. You, you. you just take it. It's okay, you know. Be understanding. You know, you're, you're uh, the light. World is not perfect, and people have different viewpoints. Um, I don't talk about religion. I don't talk about politics, money, or anything like that. We just have general conversations. And people try to draw me into that, and I said, I'm sorry. I just don't talk about that stuff. I'm here to protect you and in your religious or political beliefs or yours, it's okay. I, I don't, it's all right with me. Doesn't, doesn't matter if I like them or not. I'm here to do a job, you know, and they, they just set that, set that bar and it's okay. I mean, if you're a team leader, you can say that my guys aren't going to talk about politics or if you, you're not going to be a rookie walking up to the client and saying that stuff. They're like, okay, why did he tell me that? You know, but people understand that from me. I draw a line and say, you know, here's what's going on. So. You know. Yeah. What's the uh, average hour spent like on an advance? What would you dictate? Be oh boy. <laughs> like let's say you have a single principle and then you have a, let's say a concert performance in Brazil. What's the difference between the two in the advance? Okay. So let's say I went to Rio uh, I've, in fact, I had to go to Rio for a client. So they gave me a two day head start. That's all they could give me. And, um, so I went down there for two days. I landed at the airport and immediately did all my homework at the airport, found out, and it's going to be the time of day that the person's coming in. So let's say I arrived at nine o'clock at night and the client's plane is going to arrive at nine o'clock at night. Then I can say right at the airport, excuse me, and talk to the special service people or who's ever in charge and say, here's what I got going on. Can you walk me through the airport as to what I can expect? So I've got that all taken care of. And then, then I'll go, then I'll go the route to the hotel. And I said, let's go back to the airport. Let's take another route back to the hotel. So now we've got an A and B route. 
And what does the hotel look like? You know, when the client comes in, where do we, how does the elevator and stuff go? And where's the meals? And, and you just do all that. So they gave me a two-day head start on this particular client, which I totally enjoy. Um, to go to Africa, I had a five-day head start. <laughs> Much more volatile. And um, I just needed the time. I had no idea what to expect. I knew that somebody was there going to pick me up. I knew what their voice inflection was because I caught it over the phone. I knew what they looked like, but I had no idea what to expect in the most violent, dangerous city in the world. I need the extra time. You know, I'd like in, in operations like that, I get to have that four to five days just to acclimate myself to that particular city. Rio is also very violent. But once the clients got there, I was able to do more advanced work because there was a team of people there. Watch them while I do this. And then I started doing my stuff too. So I had two, two plus days down in Rio. The first time, the second time I had, I think the second time I had three days in Rio because I had to go to the Argentina embassy as well. That killed the whole day. So that ruined the whole day of my trip. Um, yeah, I, I would say I'm going to get three to five days advance. Yeah. It seems like you give yourself more time in more dangerous locations. Yes. Yeah. I have to, I mean, I got to land and say, what are we looking at here? When you're hearing gunfire all the time, that was Joburg, you know, what does the hotel look like? So Here's in Johannesburg, we have the, the hotel's been closed. You get a hotel and you have two, two teams of two roaming around the hotel with weapons. So I'm like, well, that's all that. Okay, that's cool. You go in and check in and you go to your room. So what's below the hotel? There's a mall and there's an escalator that comes right up into the hotel. So these guys on the outside of the hotel and like, they should be inside, you know, get, get a couple pairs inside as well, because it's escalated from the mall, come right up into the hotel. Right. It didn't make sense to me. So, but um, we got in and out of there pretty, pretty efficiently. And we had a good team there. We had the director, myself and a personal, but I'm always taking off. I go, I'll got to go do some advance. I'll be at the stadium. And then we had our briefings and all that stuff. And it's, you got to pay attention. You got to take copious notes. This guy said this and so forth. And again, in the book, you'll see a, some of that stuff about the violence that was down there. I mean, police officers were the main target. It was tough. So you really, and, and it's okay to say no if you don't want the job. So let's say this young man had two years experience. He goes, we want you to do advanced work down in Johannesburg, South Africa. It's okay to say no, because you're not experienced because you're going to get hurt. You have no idea what you're getting into. You've got to know how to do your homework, how to get there, what, what you're going to do when you get there and have a plan. If you don't have any experience, it's okay to say no. Don't put yourself in harm's way just to be that hero. You know, Many, I think some people think that way, you know, they said, you're going to take a bullet for somebody. He said, nobody wants to take a bullet for anybody. You know, we do our jobs 
we do our jobs at the best of our ability. If it means getting them out of harm's way and I happen to get shot, well, I'm do, trying to do my job and I'm not going to stand in front with my chest out to do that. So, Right. <clears throat> hey, Tom, what is your thoughts on getting out of COVID-19 and getting out of the pandemic? What are you hearing on your end? Because I know a lot of people are asking me, that are in the industry, when is the executive protection industry going to be coming back in the United States? I'm I'm going to say my best guess is it coming back in a really good way. It might not be till late winter, early spring. You know, we're already, we're pretty much here. We are November 15th. So I'm saying we're already in December. If you don't get a phone call now, you're already in December. And there might be some award shows in December and so forth. I think the EP industry probably won't be somewhat normal in spring time. So 2022, spring, summer, probably. I would say so. You know, there's some parts of the world and some parts of the country that it may pick up earlier than that. But I think for the most part, for what I think what we're looking for probably wouldn't be the springtime. You know, these two jobs I have, they're both looking for investments. Today, there was supposed to be an investors for one of them signing the dotted line. So I've got to check with them tomorrow. And then um, probably the 1st of December, I'll check with the other one. You see, it's a huge, a really huge undertaking, and I'll need some real specialists in there. So, you know, what I what I mean by specialist cybersecurity people Maritime security. Right. <laughs> yeah. Things that I'm I'm versed in and I have certification in, but I don't have the depth that I would like. And I've got to call people in that are smarter than I am on that end of it. You know. Um, we, you we have people all over the road that you work with, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very global footprint. Yeah. I mean, I just make I make phone calls and say, Are you available in such and such? Yep. Okay. I'll see you down there. You know, I've had to call people. Um, I had worked with a guy, a team in Germany, but I needed an advance done in De Gaulle Airport in Paris. And one of my team, one of my team members that I wanted didn't have the experience to do so. Right. I, and, and I could see that he didn't want to admit it, but I could see that he just felt uncomfortable doing it. So I grabbed one of my team members from Germany and he did a fantastic job, bumped into a lot of problems. But at the end of the day, he was standing there waiting for us to get off the plane, and you could see the sweat coming down his brow. <laughs> Good job, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but it just it's it's a it can be a very um, unique adventure. I'm not going to say it's not going to be to use the word exciting. That means people are excited about it. But I think it's a unique adventure once you start traveling around the world. And seeing these different cultures, and when you say, well, in the United States, we do it this way, they go, well, you're not in the United States now. And you have to understand what the cultures can give you that you can work with in doing your job. Because people, when I'm with an entertainer, I mean, I go to these countries, they could shut me right down and say, no, we'll handle it from here. They're they're graciously accepting you into their country to work for these entertainers, they have, each country has their own protection people. 
but you start being diplomatic, you start being that United Nations of the EP world, and all of a sudden you you built quite a global network of individuals. Now, uh, over the years, many of the, my contacts early on have retired or some have passed away. So it's a constant game of developing new contacts, uh, just like a beginner would. And then developing, they go, oh, Tom, how's it going? I'm glad you called. We were going to do such and such. You know, so it, you have to stay on top of it. It's like it's not like anything else that people could, could understand. You know, we don't have the Secret Service has 75 people out there running around. You know, generally speaking, it's a one or two man operation and you got to make it happen. You know, and, and, you're constantly and, managing your operations globally. You're yeah. constantly managing your network globally and you're continually networking that pays the bills that's right yeah yeah and then i then i mean i i train people too in, in my form of martial arts and stuff so i'm always training so again that's all i've ever done i, I train people i you know i charge them for training them <laughs> um and like saturday was a big martial arts seminar and i gave a speech on what the real world offers in the form of self-defense. Oh, wow. And, and what you're going to come up against. I asked people, I said, you're all martial artists. How many people join the martial arts to learn self-defense? Had a few hands. And I said, if, I said, okay, so how many people here have actually been in a fight that you've had to defend yourself? No, no hands. <laughs> no hands. And there was 30 people there. Right. 30, 30 martial artists in there. I said, let me tell you what it's like. Let me tell you what a real fight. And, and I've had a number of them. What it's really like when somebody gets really mad and they're, they're drinking or they're on drugs or chemical dependency of some kind. Let me, let me tell you what it's real like. And I had a captive audience. And, and after my seminar, people were still asking questions for another hour. You know, so that worked out pretty well. But if you're going to get into the EP industry, create that discipline, be a well-rounded EP agent, which means you, you're able to do advanced work. You're able to be part of a team, a close protection team, and, and or do one or the other. Not everybody can be the, the head guy, you know, so don't pretend that you're on a the team that you're going to be that head guy. You've got to follow directions from your team leader and, um, and then be patient. I mean, I just, um, good advice. Yeah. Well, folks, this is Tom Lee, Lee Brun. How do you pronounce your, your, your last name? LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. And he is the author of hiding in plain sight, my life and adventures protecting celebrities. And uh, you want to pick up this book? I got it, and I'm reading it. And uh, sorry about the green screen, folks. If you're watching YouTube, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Do you have YouTube, Tom? Yes, I do. What is your YouTube channel? Oh, I don't. I don't have a channel, but I have you. I mean, I can get on it. But... Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you have a website and all that. No. Nope. No website. Yeah. Tom's old school folks, so if you want to get a hold of him, you have to go through me to get his number. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. here we go. He's a, we're going to post this on LinkedIn as well, folks. LinkedIn. I know you're on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. And yeah. I'll be 
putting the reel on both LinkedIn and Facebook. So you can reach out to him directly that way. Or um, I can pass an email on to him and uh, he can screen you if you're interested in talking to Tom about future business, future uh, business opportunities for him. Be happy to support Tom in that avenue as well. Yeah. Be more than happy to answer questions. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to answer questions and all that stuff. So. Perfect. And this is uh, Mark Ledlow, and you can find me on iHeartRadio. I just typed in Mark Ledlow in uh, in the Google search. I'll come up with iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, Amazon, and uh, on Simplecast as well, and Spotify. So you can hear this recording, and you can actually watch this on Mark Ledlow YouTube. So that's the best way to find me. And uh, this is Tom, and we've been talking about his life in the bodyguard world. He's like Kevin Costner to Whitney Houston type of thing. If you guys are trying, if you ladies are trying to figure out what we're talking about, so Tom is like Kevin Costner to a Whitney Houston. That's what he's been doing his whole entire life. So if your ladies are really intrigued by this conversation, uh, check out Tom's book, uh, Hiding in Plain Sight, as well. I know that we have a lot of ladies starting to listen to this show. And uh, this has been exciting for all the EP exec protection agents out there or bodyguards, males and females out there that are in this business. Uh, we know Tom's got a lot to offer. He just went over at ESI with Bob Dugan doing a keynote speak on uh, with the graduation class. And so please tune in on the show. And do you have any other advice you want to offer, Tom, to the listeners? Yeah, I, I would say that... Um... The more you, if you're thinking about getting into the industry, um, again, really do your homework about what the industry's like. Then take it in layers after that. You know, don't don't say, boy, I'd like to, I'd really like to do that. I'd like to really know what it's like. It's not on the job training. I've had many people say, well, why don't I just tag along with you and then you can tell me what's going on. I can't do that. That's not fair to myself nor the client. So, you know, buy your, buy your books, take your courses, find out if this is the right fit for you, you know, and um, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. You know, I just can't say that enough. So, Like they see in the Marine Corps, a few, only a few good men and women yeah. join the Marine Corps, just like executive protection, not made for everybody, like Tom just said. Yeah. So, so folks, this is The Wrap with Tom the author of Hiding in Plain Sight, My Life and Adventure Protecting Celebrities. Please pick that up. Thomas LeBron's the author on that. He just got an award on that book this week and listen to the podcast. It's going to, this is going to be probably uh, two episodes. <laughs> we went a distance on the episode, but you know, it was worth a gold nugget. I know we have a lot of bodyguards out there, exec protection agents in the close protection industry that want to hear Tom's story. And uh, please uh, tune into this when we drop it. We'll probably drop this in a few weeks, right before Christmas, I'm thinking. And so we're looking forward to sharing that with Tom when we go online. So thanks for listening, folks. And this concludes our episode with Tom LeBron in the Fearless Mindset Podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. 